and welcome back to Box Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Katya and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Hey, Mav. Hey. Oh, I have no snappy powder prepared. I don't know. I don't know. We're we're, going to have to jump right into the topic? Uh, No, no. I mean, you know. That's ridiculous. Why would would we actually be efficient and on on task? That's not not how. And then we'd have to... We'd have to remember what the topic was, which is, yeah, you know, kind of our, a, my, my brief attempt memories to segue. Memories are hard. Yeah, hard, memories hard. are hard. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah, see, that's us. Yeah, totally <laughs> set that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, 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 that, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, like, reference, like, something from, you know, like, last show, but um, full disclosure, we taped these out of order, so I'm not sure what last show was. So really, it might be right. <laughs> Time is illusion. Time, uh, yeah, podcast time traveled. I'm doubly so. I, I think la- I think last week we talked about the Winter Soldier Falcon finale, which you know wasn't that great. Yeah, awesome. Yes. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I, yes. I think um, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. assuming um, that that's what we talked about last week, and that it was great because it totally doesn't air next week for us as we record this. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah, yeah. That said, what were we talking about? See again, I forgot. It's my my uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing a bit, guys. <laughs> you're, oh, you're doing you're doing a bit. Okay, uh, yeah. Okay. We're talking about memory today. This is your topic, Wayne. Yeah, it is, yeah. And and I'm I'm essentially going to repeat the the anecdote from from the blog. I just you know, memory is is something's been on my mind a, a lot of late. Um, I have a really pretty good memory. Um, people tell me that, and I, I think it's true. Uh, a lot of it is is very visual. <laughs> as far memory. as you can remember, yeah. But as, as far as I know, people tell me that all the time. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so I, I I was getting ready to go to work one morning. I pulled a CD off my CD rack to to play in the car because yes, I still play CDs in the car sometimes. And just use an eight track. Yeah, <laughs> and, and kind of at random, like I you know I listen to so much music and I do get tired of listening to some of the, as much as I have I get tired of listening to some of the same things over and over and I, I grabbed something I knew I hadn't listened to in a long time. Brian Ferry, who was the lead singer of Roxy Music back in the '70s, has done tons of solo stuff. It's an album of his from the mid '90s called Mamuna, which I'm probably pronouncing incorrectly. Probably haven't listened to it since the mid '90s, quite honestly. Um, and I, I put it on, and my experience of listening to the album was, yep, this is a Brian Ferry album, but nothing stood out to me in terms of song. What did hit me as I saw this, though, was I remembered exactly where I bought this and the circumstances around it. Small flea market in the middle of nowhere, uh, down in a holler in West Virginia, um, and guys selling a table full of miscellaneous stuff, including CDs. And I remember thinking when I saw it there, like, who in this hall in West Virginia has ever heard of Brian Ferry and listens to it? And maybe they listened to it once and just decided to sell it. But or they, yeah, got tw- they got 12 CDs for a penny. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, for three bucks, like, all right, I, I like Brian Ferry well enough to buy this. But it, the thing is, seeing the CD, seeing the actual physical CD brought back this specific memory of seeing it at this flea market, being at that flea market. It's a place I went with my mom and dad, different time, but I, I there, were, there were incidents at that specific time. I know that's the exact same day that I ran into uh, a college music professor of mine, uh, James Randolph, uh, who everybody affectionately called Fuzzy. That's how he wanted to be known. Um, and, and, and yeah, no, Fuzzy was one of the most wonderfully eccentric, brilliant human beings I've, I've ever met. Uh, just universally loved. Uh, and unfortunately passed about five years ago. Um, I remember having a conversation with him that day about music. Um, 
So it, it ties together with buying the CD. But it also more generally brought back memories of that specific flea market, being there with my mom and dad, going to other flea markets with them. Uh, just so, but, but my point of this was it was tied to that object. So the idea of memories being tied to uh, the idea of a memento, we go on vacation, we buy a snow globe with a Niagara Falls in it to remind ourselves that, oh, once I saw billions of tons of water falling over a cliff. Um, because, you know, without that snow globe, I would have no memory of that. And obviously, you know, that's not true. But it's, it's the idea of encoding memories in objects. So that got me to wondering, as we go more and more digital, are we encoding memories the same way if we don't have that physical object? You know, if I'm just downloading MP3s, am I, you know, I'm not going to have the memory. Of, oh, I was sitting on my couch with my laptop because that's like 98% of my life at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how are, you know, are we encoding memories different? Are we losing something with that? Or are we just, so I don't know. I think it's a topic to talk about just the idea of memory that's and a, how we do this and, and whatever. That's, that's a good sciencey question. So, uh, you know, in order to answer that, you know, if I thought I'd welcome back our, our, our chief psychology correspondent <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I pulled some strings and i was able to get dr stephanie seiler to you know you know world-renowned psychologist um you know welcome back dr seiler for our listeners who have not heard her before stephanie is is literally a psychologist um that deals in cognition and memory and learning and yes mostly learning yeah. not so much memory but i have talked about it mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and and as a reminder i i have degrees in psychology so i'm not completely okay. oblivious to this entire <laughs> concept either and also for <laughs> listeners who don't who don't know stephanie is also my wife so you know yes. there was bribery involved um <laughs> no not really the bribery was do you want to no no he just asked me i'm like okay i should probably brush up on my knowledge of memory anyway so do you not remember how memory works memory is hard like somebody said Uh, thanks for joining us steph thank you thanks for having me yeah so um do you is there a specific question you wanted me to address in this or yeah yeah i guess to start like can you talk a little bit about like how memory actually works on a mechanical level. I know Mav like gave an overview in the blog, but like, how do we, like what exactly is a memory? Oh, okay. Well, Mav actually described it pretty well, I thought, in the in Facebook. So memories are really just associations between neurons in the brain. So when you have like just very basic idea, you have two stimuli presented at the same time, your brain uh, through your visual um, sensory organs processes these two stimuli and your brain associates them just by the sheer fact that they're you're these neurons are activated at the same time. The brain mm-hmm. forms like connections between these neurons. It's a cluster of neurons, really, um, to form associations between that. So in the example that Wayne brought up, the association would be between the um, the CD disc and his memory of what happened that day at the, I guess it was a um, some kind of flea market. Flea market. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the and again you know my vast knowledge of psychology that comes from literally just kind of being in the room with her sometimes when her and her smart friends are talking um the, the, uh, the, the um like memories when you're talking about these connections between neurons you know just because i think our listeners need to know 
memories are physical connections in yes. your brain. There yes. are yeah. when you experience something, your brain, whatever you experience, your brain literally and I and I, I simplified it. I said pathways, but I mean almost like literal physical paths. You know, your right. the the meat of the brain changes every time you experience a new thing. Mm. Yes, yes. The neurons themselves can change. Like you can, there are, okay, um, you might have to edit this, but my memory of how neurons work is they they have um, their synapses, which are spaces between the neurons. Dendrites are, can um, communicate with axons of subsequent neurons through mm-hmm. these pathways through which um, neurotransmitters communicate between them but what can happen when you're forming a memory and association is you can have more dendrites form between like certain neurons and the next door and so that it strengthens that pathway so that's a physical way that a memory is is strengthened and and, and i've I've also read there's sort of that you know every time we remember something we're kind of rewriting the file our Mm. memories become the stories we tell ourselves so Mm -hmm. that, that, that whole what i'm remembering as accurate as it feels to me is actually the culmination of every time I've remembered this in my life. Mm-hmm. So it changes as you so remember it. So it, it right? changes over time. So, you know, however accurate I believe I am, there are things I'm getting wrong just because I've told the story over time. Mm-hmm. I've, I've enhanced pieces of it. Um, I, I've done it to make myself look better, you know, like, and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why, you know, everybody has different memories of the same event. Not only are we seeing it through different eyes and processing it through different experiences, whatever, we also tell a different story of to, to ourselves. So if you tell the same story over and over, it might not change very much at all. But over Mm -hmm. time, there's definitely some changes. And it's it's literally rewriting the files. Right. Your brain's playing telephone, right? Like my understanding is is every time, like the more you remember something, the less accurate it actually Mm -hmm. can become. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. Every time you remember something, you also have other, you might have been thinking about one thing when you remember the specific memory. And because just shoot again, due to the fact that certain neurons are firing at the same time then the thoughts that you're currently thinking that have nothing to do with the initial experience become associated with with that former memory and so you form this new sort of memory so as a a concrete example of that i will now associate doing this podcast with that brian Ferry cd (laughs) right (laughs) all right so if wayne's talking about physical objects then if he's talking about his physical cd or the snow globe or the I went all the way to Cancun and all I got was this lousy T-shirt T-shirt or whatever. Right. Like any of those things, those physical those physical items, it it's not just that you're seeing the physical item and it says Cancun on it or it's a picture of the Niagara Falls. It is because it occupies the same memory space, literal memory space because of the association. So you are like so that that would mean even you know that would mean when I look at my my Cancun T-shirt or my snow or my Niagara Falls snow globe, I you know I close my eyes and I go, oh yeah, I remember, and I and I just like feel the lovely happiness of being at Niagara Falls or whatever, right? Like right. that's how it works. And, and and photographs do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like we take pictures. Well, in the past, when we had to be careful about how many pictures we took, we took pictures of things that we wanted to remember, people, places that sort of thing. Now we take pictures of everything because we can. 
Right. Uh, well, that was going to be my next question. Cause like you were, so Wayne's, Wayne's post was about, you know, are we losing this by moving to the digital age? And, you know, we'll get back to music in a little bit, mm-hmm. music and movies and stuff like that. But, um, but I was thinking about, you know, I, I mean, I've, <laughs> as we sit in the room that doubles as my podcast studio and photography studio, I love photography. I take a lot of pictures. Um, and like Wayne just said, photography is not limited by film anymore, right? Like, it's not like I have 30, it's not like I have 36 shots that I have to choose carefully and then I have to change film. I can, I, I can take out, you know, if I don't care about using my, my nice expensive camera, I can take out my, my phone and I can just record everything that ever happens to me. Like I, how many people do you know that just like literally post pictures of their dinner every day on Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Like that is a thing that people do. So um, now, so originally I was thinking, well, you know, in the digital age, we don't have these photos. We, nobody has a photo album anymore. Um, and I don't just like look through and, oh, let me page through old photos. Steph was looking at a, a photo album that my mom gave me of when I was a kid earlier today. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, yeah, that was me as a kid. Now I don't do that. Now I just like click, click, click. And I post to Facebook or Instagram or or, or yeah. So is it the same thing? I, I think it, I mean, it can be. If you look back through, if I, I look through my digital pictures, you know, like say the memories on Facebook thing, things will come up that I hadn't thought about. And the picture will certainly prompt a memory. But I do think part of what's missing there, and it's the same way with the, whether it's a CD or a book or whatever, going through an old photo album, photos, you know, actual physical photos that I've had my entire life, the tactile experience of going through them is a piece of that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, and, you know, it's much like we've talked about reading digitally as opposed to reading mm-hmm. a book. There's this other, this other tactile thing that comes into play in the way you experience and process the information. But much like reading though, is that a product of the way that certain people are habituated to dealing with information or is there an actual difference in how you perceive a digital object, physical object? Because I could like kind of what you're describing about going through albums. I do all the time with my Instagram. So I might take more pictures mm-hmm. of things than like, I, like I think I would agree with that. Like, and then I would with a film camera, but I also curate them fairly intentionally. And I, often, mm-hmm. especially if I'm having a bad day or whatever, like there are things I would go through my Instagram feed or like, especially I have a few albums on my phone that are like pictures from like nice memories that I keep yeah. on my phone. So and to me, they, they, they like perform a very similar function. So I don't know mm-hmm. if it's really like, I guess my question is like, is the, is the tactile experience actually necessary for the memory process? No, no, I, I don't think, I don't think it's necessary. You know, I, I think it's, like so many things when we talk about this, it's it's just it's changing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's necessary, but it is a changing phenomenon. I guess I'm curious about that. Well, it's a comfort thing, right? Like you are Wayne is an old man who is trained to view photos in a certain way. I mean, and, yeah, and I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't no. mean that even as an insult. I mean, it's right, a joke. Yeah, but but yeah. like it's it's the you know, we've talked about this before, like on, like you said, on our reading episode, we mm-hmm. talked about the reason and I've gotten better at it because yeah. just in the in the in the act of being a grad student, doing a dissertation and just needing thousands of books like it just became much more it's it's a it's a much easier thing to do on an iPad than it is mm-hmm. if I had to carry around literally 500, you know, books all, everywhere I go. They're yeah. heavy um, in, in the in the era of covid with libraries right. being closed for the last year. I've done more digital reading in the last year than the rest of my life altogether. Right. Mm-hmm. But it feels different because I'm not used to it. And, mm-hmm. I, and when we first started talking about the show, I was thinking about I was thinking about like photo albums and it's like, oh, you know, I don't really do that anymore. Like, uh, like I've got this photo album, the one that uh, the stuff you were looking through a photo album that my mom gave me. I think I think it's from like when I went away to college. 
So they're they're pictures of me as a little kid, right? They're a little like, baby, ba- yep. yeah, baby, baby, less than a year. Yeah, yeah he wait, still has wait, the which, same which, hairline. It's which so will, adorable. Which we'll link to in the show notes. <laughs> so not showing up in the show notes, not yeah, on the YouTube video. Showing up in the show notes. No, I don't. I don't want to see the picture because I'm just imagining like an adult have that has been shrunk with like a little shrink ray. Yeah, that is pretty much what I and made into sepia. Yeah, Well, yeah. When I I am also old, color had not yet been invented. I was when I was a child. So, so, but yeah, there were, um, but there was a point in my life where I might, you know, do exactly that. And it's like, oh, I want to feel close to home. I'll grab out the photo album and I'll look through. It's a thing people do, right? Like you, or you, you know, people have kids who turn 14, 15, bring their first, first boyfriend or girlfriend home. And then the parents just want to embarrass them by showing the photos that are not going to show up on our show notes um, to them. So <laughs> like those, like those things happen. And I was thinking, well, we don't really do that anymore, except that we do because we do. literally yeah. every morning, Facebook says, do you remember this from seven years ago? You right. know, Instagram says, you know, like I get these yeah. memories that show up and people or like friends of mine will tag me in an Instagram story, right? Like, you know, Hey, this is, um, you know, this is, remember like 18 years ago before COVID started when we all, we all used to be able to go outside and go to places. And here's a picture of the last time I did that 18 years ago, last March, you know, (laughs) I mean, I think that raises an interesting question though, because I mean, we're talking about Instagram and Facebook have become like part of, and other platforms obviously have become part of the way that we like experience these photos again. Like is maybe one of the differences also just like that memory is being commodified in a way that it was, was it wasn't before because like the, the difference is also like your family photo album isn't, doesn't have ads. Right. <laughs> like it's also like, I mean also technically like on most social media platforms, those media platforms assert some level of rights to your content. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas your baby picture, Mav, is not owned, like, like Mark Zuckerberg cannot claim any form of ownership on that picture, unless you, unless you posted it to Facebook. Yes, but I also don't just look at it on, I mean, I use that as my example, but um, my watch face for, um, on my, on my Apple watch is mm-hmm. the, um, is the Siri app. So it just shows me, it routinely just shows me pictures from my my photos memories which mm-hmm. are like which are things in my iPhoto collection which yeah, my, are which not my iPhone, nece- yeah my yeah. iPhone does the same thing yeah yeah they're not necessarily posted to I mean they're they literally exist only on my computer and my what? watch and my phone so I, I mean, there's no ads. There's no anything. It's just like, oh, yeah, look, there, there's me. like every once in a while I look down and well, there's me and stuff at, um, you know, on vacation in North Carolina. That was neat. Yeah. So a couple points that I wanted to make, like the difference between like a physical uh, way and you called them chachis. I just I yeah. am not going to use that word because like it reminds me of Scott Baio. But, um, <laughs> mementos and, yeah, <laughs> and whatnot right, and right. having a picture of that. So one one difference is just that you can like you were saying you were talking about the tactile nature. You can like pick mm-hmm. it up and hold it and everything. So that just is an additional like sensory pathway that you can associate with that memory. So in theory, it should be a stronger memory for that reason i mean if you're taking a picture you are pressing a button but it's not quite the same i don't think as like picking something up and holding it for a while and looking Mm -hmm. at it and all that um and associating that with your surroundings i guess at the same time 
So that that was one thing. And I guess another thing is like when you look at pictures, say on Facebook, you're probably just sort of scrolling through Facebook, right? And you're thinking mm-hmm. about other things and you come across a picture and you're like, oh, okay. So it's kind of like, I guess, kind of not as like a pure like stimuli for mm-hmm. your memory because at the time you have, you're, I think you're thinking, probably thinking about other things too. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be, I guess, but yeah, it just seems like more of a pure like, yeah, way I mean, to you, elicit memories having a physical yeah, item that's you, completely like de- just um, de- uh, decontextualized from yeah, from everything if you, else. If you, go, if you go to a photo album, if I mean, if you have a photo album at home, physical photo album, and you go to it, you're actively saying, "I wish to remember these things." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's intentionality where, where, about it. Yeah. Where whereas with Facebook, you're right. A lot of times, stuff just pops up in today's mm-hmm. memories. I mean, you know, I have albums saved on there of different events. Right, and you might and, go to those, but like there's random to access to it. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah, right. Uh, it's so, much more so like you, you just like you just noticed the CD. I mean, you were you were going to get a CD, but it's not like yeah. you were you you didn't think to yourself, I would like to listen to some Brian Ferry today. You thought to myself, yourself, I need to, I need an album, and you reached out, and that was the one that was at arm height. Yeah, pretty, okay. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I mean, but I I have the same stuff with you know, like there are books on my shelves here that um I know I will never read again, but I can't Marie Kondo them because they. They serve as memory mm-hmm. triggers. You know, they're they're um, they're they're books. You're not yeah, But there's also there's a line in uh, the movie High Fidelity where they're talking about how he organizes his music biographically. Oh, you, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, autobiographically. You know, and it, yeah, it's not it's not alphabetically. It's not by artist. It's autobiographically. I have it organized in the order of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, he's like, and, and if I, I want to listen to something, I have to think about where I was the first time I heard that album. And, and, and I understand that. That's actually I, I I forgot about that quote. That's actually really interesting. It's actually one of my favorite things about Spotify. Yeah, is it's in the order like your liked songs is in yeah. the order in which you like them. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. well, I I actually really love going through like there are like I could I I can identify it's like going back like through like the time of Katia's life since I started Spotify. Yeah. Like I can see like, oh, that was that period of my life when I was going through this thing. So I was listening to a lot of music mm-hmm. about this. Or like I remember like this was that breakup album I listened to a lot when that was like right. you know in my early twenties when this was happening. And like in some ways, I wish I had that for like my entire music listening life. Because mm-hmm. it's yeah, really fascinating to go back and look at yeah. like all these different periods. And I go back and like I think, you know, in a strange way, I think because there's that chronological ordering, because like most of this music I listen to at different points all the time. But for some reason, like having that chronological ordering that mm-hmm. I don't, you know, which I would have never done independently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have my music organized like that on my shelves, but it's certainly organized that way in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, yeah. and once again, yeah, there's the visuals. I talk about the physical CD and the music on the album was really kind of like, you know, I just really didn't ring a bell very much at all. But I mean, there are certainly albums I've listened to a million times, but I can also associate specifically where I was when mm-hmm. I became a fan of this. You know, there are albums that are specific people and places in my life. And when I hear mm-hmm. the music, no matter how many times I listen to it, it triggers some of those memories as well. Um, Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I find valuable about a lot of like the digital ways of archiving this stuff. I mean, part of it is also like, I'm, I'm a bit younger than both Mav and Wayne. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think maybe, maybe (laughs) Steph Steph is ageless. Uh, She will continue forever. Yes. Like, I, like, so I, I wonder if I experience some of this stuff differently because maybe like it feels I'm not quite a digital native in the sense of like I grew up with the internet, but not like the internet as we know it now. Right. Mm-hmm. right. That makes sense. Um, 
social yeah social media was was very much like you've heard me say that visual memory kind of thing that i do my visual memory is really good i'm just very much a visual thinker same which which is a segue to possibly another topic that i i I want to introduce it may be a completely different show but we'll get there um i you know how many times have i told you Mavin, you're working at the comic shop like i had comics as a kid i I was a a little kid in the 60s and a slightly less little kid in the 70s teenager in the late 70s early 80s but you know people would bring in boxes of old comics to try to sell to us and you know i'd be two or three books in the old stuff and be like i had that oh mm-hmm. i had that i i never remember that because you know, i don't have all the comics from my childhood mm-hmm. but i i see a cover i know exactly i had that i mm-hmm. yeah without a doubt so it's a different phys- you know it's a different copy of the book than the one i own but it's still a physical object and the image triggers that memory of oh i own that mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. some cases even more specific memories that i hadn't thought of years now i and this is where i want to start asking Steph some questions because we're starting to get into the way we associate memory with media um and it's just like i i know i know Steph's laughed at me for when we go out or you know in the before time when we used to be able to go out and play bar trivia um, um like there's this thing i do and it's not intentional but like if, if somebody asks a question and I'm trying to figure it out, I look like Queen's Gambit. I look up, you know, mm-hmm. I, I look up because I have to visualize the answer inside my brain. And this, ties, the ceiling into the, this yeah. ties into the topic I just referenced. So, but go yes, ahead. Exactly. So exactly. So like if I and, and it's an obvious thing, if somebody asks me a question about a movie, right? Like if someone if someone asks me, uh, well, this is one that literal question that we had at um, in bar trivia. It was like, um, who is the narrator in um, in Royal in the Royal Tannenbaums? And the way that I do that is I sort of close my eyes and I read the credits to the Royal Tannenbaums on the movie screen in my head. See, that would be sort of like sort of like hypnosis, like we were talking about before. You're very concentrated on that specific thing. Right. But but the only but the only way I can do that is like I have to like I I have to do that association. I have to visualize the movie Mm because the answer is Alec Baldwin and he's not he doesn't appear in the movie. I just have to like, you know, I have to close my eyes. I have to play the movie in my head, listen to it. And I can see it now, right now with my eyes closed. Um, and then I can read the credits and the, the, the credits and Alec Baldwin as a narrator. Gotcha. Okay. So that's the answer. Um, but sometimes there'll be, there'll be weird. And I can't even con- explain it. There are weird connections where it will not be a movie question, right? It'll be a history question. It will be, uh-huh. it, it, and I still have to do the same thing because I have to go in my head and replay the comic book connected to the movie, connected to the song that's connected to the memory of me learning yep. that in high school in order to get there. And yep. like, it's an unconscious, but physical action that I have to do in order to, in order to get there. And that's just, I can't, ex- I can't explain yeah, it well, any I, better well, than that random way I just did it, but that's yeah, how I'm. Yeah, and, and I've had a couple of conversations recently on, on a couple of different Facebook threads uh, about just exactly that, how we think. Someone posted in the old guys who love old comics group recently that they they don't have they don't have good visualization skills and they never thought about it. You know, like they if you ask them, they can't imagine what they don't know what you mean when you say picture Superman in your brain. They can't form an actual picture in their brain. And Mm -hmm. I actually can't comprehend what thinking is if you can't do that. Me either. And I've had this conversation (laughs) with different people who that idea of being able to visualize something fully is something they can't do. And like, if you tell me, if you say, what's an apple look like in my brain, I 
I see it right now. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and I can kind of feel the tactile nature of it and maybe taste it a little bit. Um, and if there's a difference between a Granny Smith and a Red Delicious, you know, and like I can it, it's there. It's a very almost physical object that I can conjure in my mind's eye that phrase and people talking how they just simply can't imagine what that is they don't mm -hmm. can't process that mode of thinking and it never crossed my mind until the last 10 years that everybody didn't think like that just like they didn't think you know, that hear the phrase mind die but they, it didn't mean anything so, so i'm wondering how you know memories with that like if you can't visualize something how, how does memory work if you're not visualizing it and, and that's something i just truly don't understand i believe it happens yeah so for just to address what Mav was saying, and you're like, to me, <laughs> the way that you retrieve a memory is like, as you described there, was very different from how I and I guess maybe I don't know. If, I don't know you guys, the rest of the people on the panel. But to me, like and other I've never heard anyone describe it <laughs> like you, mm -hmm. like for most people, it's just like a very quick associative process where mm -hmm. you're like um, someone asks you to. Yeah, I guess you're using like almost a strategy, like not intentionally. It's just yeah, not intentionally, it's, yeah. It's, it's weird because it's so um, it's like deliberate and methodical. And that's not really how Sometimes. we think of how memories work in general. That's almost like you're using like your working memory, your prefrontal cortex to solve like logic pro problems and things like that. It's almost very logical. So that's a weird, Sometimes. unusual way. So, At least maybe maybe you're describing it differently from how it actually happens. Yeah, I have no idea how it actually works. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and, and there, are, there are huge intuitive leaps there. There are times yeah. I don't know how I got to that thing. Yeah, I, another, I mean, another, another, and this is an anecdote from the store that involves Mav and our friend Jamil, and this is probably 20 years ago. Um, I, I, we were talking about a similar topic and we're talking about superheroes and superhero costume. And I made the claim, just my visual memory is give me a superhero who has appeared Marvel and DC and give me something to draw and I'll recreate their costume for you with about 90, 90% accuracy. Okay. That's, that's interesting. So this is kind and, of related. Okay. Go ahead. Finish. <laughs> and, 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 and Jamil played that out. He asked me a couple and I did it. And then Mav, because Mav is a smart ass, gave me the wasp who has had a different costume in every Ha. appearance she's ever been in sorry and i promptly drew three of them yeah uh -huh. that's interesting that you're like so there's this um idea in um in education i think it i'm not sure if it originated in i don't think it originated originated in i think it originated in howard gardner's theory of multiple intelligences where people have yeah. like you said visual intelligence verbal intelligence um sports like just bodily like motion intelligence mm -hmm. all yeah. that stuff yeah. so so like the idea came from that theory that um, teachers should be teaching students according to where their particular skills are. So a lot of people seem to think that they're like visual learners. I hear like I think that's predominantly what I hear, at least when mm -hmm. I hear people talk about the kind of learners they are. Well, people say it. Yeah, but I don't people know say it. True. Yeah. So the, in the interesting thing is when you um, there have been studies done where they have assigned a specific style of learning to based on what people claimed their strength was. So for visual learners, they would give them um, text with lots of pictures. Um, if people said they were verbal learners, then they would give them more like text-based information, uh, etc. Mm -hmm. And so they did that and they actually did not find that people uh, learn more when you um, tailored the instruction to what they claimed is mm -hmm. their strength. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But like they think I think the reason for that is actually because people aren't so good at um, assessing their relative strengths, like people just generally. But from what you've said, Wayne, (laughs) I think you pretty convincingly uh, are a visual learner. (laughs) There there was a time. And if you if you look through any of my old college or or grad school notebooks, uh, some of which are probably still in a box somewhere in my life, you'll see that I have far more doodles and drawings on the page than I do actual notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also remember being able to look at those doodles and drawings and at the time remember exactly what we were talking about in class. I that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 like it was, I it was encoded in my doodles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, um, so there, so I cannot read my own handwriting. I have, I have the worst handwriting yeah. on the planet. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, my, <laughs> yes. My, um, my, um, my notes happen in two ways. If I need to actually write down what you say, then I, type it in Evernote on an iPad or laptop. And before iPads and laptops existed to where for school, I sat there with notebooks and like, I would just listen and draw the person next to me. Right. So like right now I can, and this is weird, but like I can visualize uh, our friend, Max, Max, who does our theme song. Mm -hmm. And I can like, I can visualize a drawing I've done of Max and remember, you know, what we were learning in a creative writing class 30 years ago yeah. or 20 or 25 years ago, whenever it was, I can visualize my friend Cameron and having drawn her and remember the conversation with that. Cause that's how, that's how I encode them. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. it's, so when Steph said, you know, is it, is it like solving a logic problem? Yes. When I do it intentionally, mm-hmm. but usually it's fe- like, if I'm trying to answer a trivia question where I have to dig, then I have to like sort of go through the filing cabinet in my head mm-hmm. that way. And it's slower. But just in general, right. if you say something, um, if you say something in general like that, um, those things fire. And I can't always describe to you the process, but I can tell you that I see a flash. But it's of taking time. The fact that like I can see you when we're at trivia, I can see it's right. taking time and you're like, don't talk to me. <laughs> Stay away. Um, <laughs> while you're trying to think. Yeah. Then, yeah, that leads me to believe that you're doing something kind of different from how most people like well, most people. Okay. It's either mm-hmm. like, boom, it's there or I have no idea. Well, and sometimes boom, it is there. But mm-hmm. like, if yeah. it's not boom it's there i have to do it i don't know how to, i don't know I mean, i'm gonna say manually there's no manual aspect it's just me thinking but like but like it is really there is it feels like a manual process well, there's, there's, there's that classic image of the conspiracy theorist with the red threads tied between pins so, yeah so I just, I, I, I'm, I'm following those red threads yeah that's exactly what i'm doing I'm, and and i and i was just gonna show just for um because I, I expect this is going to work for wayne and i don't know if it i i know it won't work for steph um it might or might not might not work for katya but like um so I'm, I, I just posted an image in the chat. I'm going to show stuff because it's not because I know she's not going to see it. Now, if you, you know, it's a picture of Batman, it's a picture of Batman from a from a random, really bad comic called Batman, all star Batman and Robin. Um, but it doesn't matter what the comic is. It's just Batman talking. And if I read that picture, Wayne, what voice do you hear? <laughs> <laughs> I hear okay. Kevin Conroy. Whenever yeah. I read a picture yeah. of Batman, yeah. Kevin Conroy, yeah. I, I hear he, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman, and I mean, and when I say that, I mean it's not like I did it intentionally. I just grabbed a picture of Batman because I knew, yeah. I knew that's what it would be. But I can re- like looking at that picture reminds me of Kevin Conroy's voice, and I know exactly what he sounds like, even though, mm-hmm. even though that's oh, not can I ask how why it why it reminds me of that because voice? Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman. He just is. And like, and, 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 and there have been there have been a million other voices of Batman. Yeah, but, I've right, never heard but, of this guy. So yeah, um, he's, he's the voice of Batman in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, and okay. And why? And and can I explain why Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman rather than Michael Keaton or Adam West or Christian Bale? 
No, he just yeah. is. <laughs> and like when I see a picture of Batman, now if I see a picture of Christian Bale playing Batman, then I hear Kevin I, uh, Christian Bale's voice in my head. But if I just see any random picture of Batman, whether Jim Lee drew it like this one, or or um, Paul Denny, or or Wayne, or I, right? If I draw you, a random picture of Batman, sounds like Kevin Conroy to me. Like that's just and and I and I cannot forget his voice because that's how I associate it. So was so, what what year was that? Like the first experience you had? No, Kevin Conroy no. didn't. Start doing Batman till after till I was either nine, nine, adult, 19, adult. 1990, 91. Yeah, so I was near near an adult. He's just the voice of Batman. It's it, the the association is so close in my head to that. That's how it is, and 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 I don't know. Like is I'm that- not doing anything to make it happen. It's just it's just what I hear. And I also like I hear voices when when I read. I I don't. I, I don't read silently in my head, even though I read faster than I can actually talk. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. I, he- I, mean, I hear and I don't know. Yeah, and other I, people said they don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, get, I, I have pictures when I read. Oh, yeah, pictures me too. And, pictures and voices. Yeah. Uh, which I have a friend who, who reads constantly and swears she doesn't sub vocalize when she's reading. And I don't know what reading is if you're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, yeah to but, me, like reading is like watching, like, especially if it's, if it's it depends if I'm reading fiction. Reading fiction is like in watching a movie in my head. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Well, and, and that was one of the things this guy in this old guys who love old comics group said. He thinks comics have appealed to him because that gives him the visuals. He says, you know, he has a tough time reading fiction because he can't picture what's going on. Like he can read mm-hmm. nonfiction and facts and that sort of thing, and he's fine. But you know, descriptive passages in fiction, they're just words. Like he, he can follow the plot and whatever, but he doesn't he doesn't see things. And he says he finds himself skipping large passages that are descriptive. Yeah, I do want to go back to kind of the example map, like to the Batman example, because I like I and this is a question maybe for Steph. Like, is there a difference though between like memory and association, or is like associ- mm. is like memory a form of association? Because like what Mav's describing to me, I don't know if I would call that as a memory. Yeah, because yeah, because exactly. Kevin Conroy never read right. that panel, right? Right. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I don't remember it. I but I do. It feels like I remember it. Right. So you, yeah. So you generally um, think of Kevin Conway, Conroy, Conroy's voice for Batman. So when you see a Batman picture, especially in comic format, because you've seen that you've so like compared to the number of hours that you've watched like movies of Batman with different actors playing it. I would assume that that is less than the number of hours that you spent listening Abs- to this Abs- guy. Absolutely. Okay. So wait, that, wait, 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 wait. You're, you're, I'm just, I'm just wondering no, no, in terms yeah, we, of time, we, 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 time we spent. Conroy, like, yeah, we've heard Conroy's voice as Batman more than any other single voice as Batman. Yeah, yeah. Yes, by now because he's done it. He's he's still the voice of Batman, and he's been the voice of the Batman cartoon for thirty years. Right. With, with some exceptions in different movies. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, on right, and off but for in, years. But in general, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess that's a really interesting question, Katya, yeah, that you ask. Is memory different from association? So I guess memory would be association plus the ability to trigger that that association Mm -hmm. so in the case of mav with the voice of this guy um playing batman he has a very strong association just based on number of hours spent uh, associating the visuals with the voice i'm I'm really wondering i mean have i heard I mean, I like he certainly performed it more than anybody else, mm-hmm. but I don't. But it's entirely possible that for me personally, because I was an adult by the time he was doing it or I was like near an adult. I think I might have been 17 when he started. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
Like I'm still I, relatively I, young. Right. But I wasn't watching. It's not like I came home from school every day and watched the Batman show the way I did when I came home from school and watched the Adam West Batman show as a kid. Right. Like it's entirely possible mm. that um, probably oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> right. Well, but, pro- but probably the most Batman that I've ever heard for me is probably either the 60s television show or the Super Friends show. Yeah, but that's and, live and, and, action. And, and, so and, no, or, and, or the Super Friends show, which yeah, I heard. And, and, and Adam West did voice for some of the cartoons over the years, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and so so like, I don't know why it's because that those would be, that would be the voice of Batman during my. Is it the style years. of the of the drawings that you associate, you nope, think? Because the- it looks nothing like this. I, yeah. Because Kevin Conroy's Batman looks like looks like this stuff. But when but for the Batman series, when you saw when you watched the animated version of Batman that Adam West was um, playing voice uh, voicing for, mm-hmm. did you like did that remind you of the original? Maybe it oh. like maybe not consciously, but I'm just wondering since you since the live action version came first, and then he played the uh, here we go. OK, so this is the that's Con- that's Conroy's Batman. OK, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know the answer to that, but it mm-hmm. could be just because you assume associate um adam west's voice with the, the live action like i do i mm-hmm. actually when i was a kid mm-hmm. <laughs> i actually yeah. did watch batman and robin mm-hmm. um the live action version but not later version so i'm wondering maybe that's that's why you didn't associate adam west later with the comic if I book version a, if, and if i read a batman novel i hear i hear kevin conroy's voice in my head mm-hmm. and I, it's just i mean the association's just there it's just that uh, kevin conroy is what i imagine batman sounds like you know anybody else who you know ben affleck is just doing a ben affleck he's is acting as batman kevin conroy is just how i hear batman's voice in my head mm-hmm. um and like oddly i mean it's it's other things like that happen too and i and i wonder if it's just like the way the associations work in my head because if i hear if i hear kevin conroy's voice like on the radio like on some or in, in, on an interview on a podcast um i can see batman and in fact to the point mm-hmm. that like Kevin Conroy is a weird looking guy because he doesn't look like Batman's supposed to look when I see right. him in real life. Oh. <laughs> right. I mean, he's not, right. he's a fine looking guy. He mm-hmm. just doesn't look like Batman. And, and, and he played an alternate universe Bruce Wayne in the flash last year. So. Yeah. Yeah. During, yeah. In the flash and an arrow and which is, which was fine. Yeah. But like, but that's just, he doesn't look like Batman. He no. just sounds like Batman. Like, but, but you, Go ahead. I was just going to ask of the Batman voices, the various Batman voices, would you say he's kind of like the average? No, no. Sort of an outlier. (laughs) No, I mean, it feels like he's I can't explain any better than that. I wonder. But what I'm wondering is, is it just um, and I don't know if you can even answer this like in an hour, much less like, you know, two minutes. But like, how different are the concept of thinking and and memory? Because what made me think of this was when you guys were talking about, you know, reading and stuff and and the way the associations are built. Yeah. Like I hear I hear voices when I read always oh, yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I see pictures when I read always. And it goes the other way, too, because I think, Wayne, I think you're the one who told me that you can't listen to books on tape. You just I don't have time with it. Yeah. My, my yeah. auditory. Okay. And it's the same thing. Like, I mean, one of the problems I had in purely lecture classes throughout mm-hmm. my life is ongoing monologues turn into Charlie Brown adults to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and a and book on tape is like that. It's just want, 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 want. My, my brain just zones out. I, I, I have no problem a, with it. Yeah, I don't I, think mm-hmm. I'm, a, I, yeah. I don't think I'm a good auditory learner. Yeah. Uh, in, Every in time, spite, I in, mean, in spite of having a master's and doing, you know, right. like, I, I, I've, every, but, I've, but I've every comic strip, yeah, every comic strip that I've ever drawn, which has been a bunch, like you know, when, mm-hmm. when I was working on the comic book, I would sit there and draw 
while listening to a book or a mm. podcast or yeah. and I, and I pick up everything. So I, I think another it. thing we that we haven't really brought up much is like the associate the, the relationship between emotion and memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you experience stronger emotions while you're experiencing something else, then those tend to form like stronger memories. Like people talk about, oh, I know exactly where I was when this like traumatic event happened, like mm-hmm. when the Challenger exploded, when JFK was shot, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So, so maybe that's also a factor in why you maybe, um, for some reason, like the that version of Batman with mm-hmm. um, this and guy. And just one example. I mean, I, I yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm just yeah. just wanted to bring that into mm-hmm. discussion mm-hmm. because that's a very and I just learned today actually looking at well, how the brain works. States, there's there's an idea called state dependent learning. And the idea mm-hmm. that you remember things better. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, and, and the example, you know, when I first heard of this was if you take a class while you're high, mm-hmm. take the, take the test while you're high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because the, the memory association. Will yeah. Be there. So, so the yeah, state was, you're in. Yeah. And I was just going to say that I just learned today that they're actually associations. I, I just thought it was timing, but they're actually like physical neck connections between the emotional centers of your brain, like the amygdala, amygdala being like the primary emotional center of your brain mm-hmm. and the cortical like um, areas of the cortex that actually like hold the memories. So um, so any kind of like your people are generally if you haven't noticed very emotional beings. <laughs> so, except for Matt, who's, who's a Android type thing, but yeah. So I'm just wondering if maybe like the the Batman version that you who's like with the, that you associate with the voice, maybe it was just like more dramatic, or I don't. Maybe you're a teen, even like it, even being a teenager. It, like teenagers yeah. are very or even more emotional than. Like adults and younger people. So you said you started watching it when you were seventeen. So that could be another factor. On on some level, for me, that Batman animated series is sort of distillation of Batman to it. Yeah, like it it, it, to me, it's kind of primal Batman more than anything else. Yes, if if they stripped away everything except the essence of that character and all the Mm -hmm. characters in it, so it's Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite Batmans because of that. Right, maybe because it has to occupy the. It is very much the idea of Batman. His voice is the idea of Batman. I mean, what the panel you showed me was very emotional. Right. But, but that pa- but that panel is not from that series is what I'm talking about. I only like that is a that is a much darker Batman hmm. um, drawn drawn by Jim Lee, written by Frank Miller. It has nothing to do with that series. But because Kevin Conroy operate, you know, he 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 embodies the idea of what Batman is in my brain, in the spot it, of my brain devoted to Batman. He's yeah, it, just it. it yeah, so if you make if you make a platonic ideal of Batman, an archetype yes. that is Batman, that is Batman. That, is, that would be the voice of it. Mm-hmm. And everything so, else, everything mm-hmm. else is a divergence from that. Okay, yeah. so he's like the essence of, the, ba- of Batman, right? And that's me, in, like, yeah, yeah it, okay. So that's interesting because that's like. Reminds me of like how people learn categories and how people like one theory is that there is like the center, the most likely to be remembered or recalled um, in a particular category is like the the essential, like whatever Mm -hmm. what people consider to be like the central part of. So so like birds like have most in common with like um, like robins have most in common with other birds. And like so people essentialize um, 
Robin mm-hmm. as Bird. So maybe that's the essential yes, version. She is of, the essential yeah. Batman. Okay, to me. so that's maybe why you remember that more. Mm-hmm. That's also a fact. Yeah, and I, and I guess that's why. What I'm wondering is it mm-hmm. is is thinking because I, I would consider that thinking, not memory, because again. He never yeah. said these words. Right. It's related it to memory, memory, though. It's, re- it's related asking. to mm-hmm. what you're going to remember later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's because yeah. I'm wondering. I mean, same thing. If I like, like, I probably, I don't know, like all zucchini bread, all zucchini bread I ever eat is in relation to how does it stack up against my grandmother's? Right. Like, mm-hmm. like well, that is the perfect the, zucchini the, bread. The, the platonic ideal, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is a chair? Mm-hmm. And then everything yes. else is everything else is a modification of that central idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, uh, and, and we've probably gone way off the the original yeah. topic. But I think it all ties, ties together. In, I mean, the the idea yeah. of memory is very much tied into the way we we think, the way we process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, back um, to the original topic then, because I'm wondering, you know, your I mean, your initial question, Wayne, was: Are we losing the ability to remember things by? By changing the way in which we experience things, and because when you, when you wrote that blog, I sort of dove off of it, and I started thinking about television shows. Like in the old days, I would be flipping through channels on TV, and I'd be like, "Oh, it's an old Seinfeld," or you, you can go, "Oh, it's an old Hogan's Heroes." I want to watch this one. I remember this one, and I know exactly what I'm getting into when I watch it. Like I, I know. I know what happened on this episode of MASH or Brady Bunch or Hogan's Heroes or the Cosby show or, you know, whatever the fuck show I'm watching at two in the morning in syndication. And I would just sort of I haven't seen this one in a while. Let me sit down and spend half an hour, you know, enjoying this. And I don't really do that anymore because mm-hmm. I live in a world with Netflix and, yeah. <laughs> and I, you yeah. know, and and there's just like now, like, I don't know how syndicated television works anymore, because like, why would I ever watch? Why would I just ever watch a random episode of Friends from 20 years ago? If I wanted to, I could just watch or like uh, Steph recently watched all of The Office just because mm. she was in the mood to. It's and, such a good series. Yeah. But I mean, but you but you'd seen it before. We watched it the first time. Right. And Steph mm, was just not really. Oh, OK. Well, I thought she had that was no, that was before we I didn't watch the office. It. I might have seen. Oh, the, sorry. The office. Yeah. I was still thinking. Yeah. But Steph recently watched all of The Office um, and we'd seen it before because we watched it the first time. But she was just community, like, actually. Yeah. But she but she was like in a mood and she's like, oh, I'll go and I'll watch the entire series run. And part of that is just sort of, I don't know, nostalgic, which is memory. Mm-hmm. But but like also it wasn't random. There was a dedi- you took a dedicated move to just watch the office again. Right. It's not like it's not the same as just it just happens to be on because I'm flipping through local television stations and this is what they air. Yeah, that was one of the first things that I watched during the pandemic Mm -hmm. because I Mm -hmm. was missing like being around people. And so I I started watching shows like The Office and Community where there were a bunch of people hanging out together because I I missed that. (laughs) This probably ties into the the Pat Oswalt Edelhoff thing. And I can't remember exactly what that stands for, but it's that idea that everything is available all the time, Mm -hmm. which is changing the way we interact with stuff. And his point was... And this had a certain old guy feel to it. Like back in my day, I had to search out this, this, this thing. And it was more meaningful to me because I had to put this effort into finding it. And now you just turn on your computer and there it is. And I think he's wrong. And that's, yeah, and no, I, I, I said that. But, yeah. And, and you're because, right. Because what he's describing is the effort to go and even Matt, what you're describing is the effort to go seek out the thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, in the pre-streaming days, it would have been harder to rewatch an entire series of television. Right. 
and also right, probably yeah. more expensive, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But like now I think the challenge is you, I mean, as we're t- thinking, when we're talking about this, I keep thinking about in some ways, I feel like it's the, what we're talking about is our memory triggers used to be way more accidental. They were based on environmental factors, yeah. whereas mm-hmm. now they have to be curated. You have yeah. to be intentional about the mm-hmm. kinds of things and you have more opportunities to be intentional, mm-hmm. which I think is oh, actually that's interesting. really I, cool. Cause like I, I can go like to me, like the most meaningful movie is for me personally that I always go mm-hmm. back to is like me as Miyazaki spirited away, mm-hmm. which also I was, I was thinking about just because I originally watched that in the original Japanese, like subbed version. And so mm-hmm. now whenever I hear a dubbed version, it makes my skin crawl because it's right. just like not <laughs> the right voices. <laughs> this, is, this is wrong. Even though it's yep. dubbed like as, you know, as well as can be done. Yeah, the spirited away is actually pretty good. It's just, yeah, it's dubbed the, well. It's wrong. just like, it's not, it's not, it's not right. It's not, it's not correct. Uh, I I think you make a really interesting point again like but I was thinking the opposite I was thinking Mm -hmm. that the way things are now kind of makes us less intentional than how we were before because like um, if you say for if you have like okay so when I was in um, I was at a conference in France and Mm -hmm. we actually it was North France I think so we we went to yeah you're a globe trotting world traveler we're all jealous that was a long time ago I haven't been out of the country I miss I miss traveling (laughs) anyway so we I went to a bar with like some grad students and this guy was walking around selling these cute little um, bears with like rhinestone eyes tchotchkes yeah no (laughs) mementos thank you very much and and so um my friend was like oh you should buy one of those that way you'll have a memory of this experience i'm like oh that's a good point i should do that yes um and then so i did and then i have it like sitting in the i don't know if mav even knows have noticed that i maybe i'll tell you that's okay so anyway it's sitting like in the bedroom and like i i intentionally put it there because i like to be reminded of like the times that i've been to like you know interesting places Mm -hmm. so because like like the physical thing was like to me that was a very intentional act of putting it there to remind yeah. me but i i guess i see I, is I like too much information though, because, is because so because i was i was thinking more specifically about media because media because mm-hmm. like basically now when you have access to all media all the time essentially mm-hmm. you have to be intentional about deciding what you are and aren't going to watch which i think mm-hmm. is a little bit different than like what you're what 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 you're describing which is more about like how are you being intentional intentional about preserving memories of your actual life because mm-hmm. those are so things you can't access all the time unless you make some kind of intention to like remember them or like memory so them in the, some way mm-hmm. is the difference then because mm-hmm. i wonder the difference here is Steph was talking about an intentional creation of a totem right right i mean like I mean, she, you didn't create it you bought it right still like you you literally made a dedicated move in the moment to say I want to remember being in France without my husband or boyfriend or whatever I was at the time and enjoying and enjoying how great it is not having math here. So I'm getting this little bear. Um, <laughs> and, 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 I, and you're, you're phrasing that a, a totem because that's exactly what yeah, yeah, to, so, totem objects yeah, are. I mean, I'm teasing myself, but I mean, yeah. but seriously, yeah. you're, but you're but yeah, you you wanted to have a memento of how much fun you were having in the moment. So you. And I mean, and that it could have been that could have been like a CD instead. Right. It doesn't have yeah, it could have been anything. Right. Yeah. Right. Been anything. Right. But it, yeah, but a physical totem of the experience mm-hmm. as opposed to Katya's talking about the randomly accessing of a non-intentional chachi. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, uh, 
Because like you, when you're talking about when you're talking about like going through and, and watching Netflix in order to watch your in, in order to watch Spirited Away or The Office or whatever, you know, whatever you decide to pull up on streaming, mm-hmm. there was no point in which you decided I am going to like stuff decided she wanted no, that bear to be indicative to of her first archive, But I did right. decide what I was going to put in my personal archive. That makes sense. I think a lot did of you? this. Mm-hmm. Well, because what I'm yeah, saying, well, because well, I'm wondering if into, uh, I had to oh. say like. Spirited, I had to go through the process of Spirited Away is an is a movie I am oh. interested in. And I've seen before. Yes. I now have to go find it. And even yes. when I go through Netflix, I'm not going through and just like clicking the random things that Netflix picks for me unless like it happens to show me something I like. I'm deciding like, hey, I heard about this TV show or somebody right. recommended this to me. I think that's and I mean even which maybe relates it a little bit. I think to the idea of like the tchotchke is like the commonality between those two things is is some is some aspect of intention either by limiting what you're accessing i.e. okay okay Okay. i I was talking about yeah i was talking about just sort of like going to netflix and seeing what's all available rather than creating well i have a question for the group then because i think because i think katya is describing something that's in between the two things right so like in steph's case she's like i'm in france i want to remember france i am buying something this little bear you know and i know what she's talking about because it's in our room She's got a little crystal crystal, right? I, I guess it's, it's um, glass. I'm not sure. It's, it's not glass. It's, it's kind of like, it's, I don't know what yeah. it is. She has a little bear. Weird bear. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That, with a, a little tiny bear ornament is what I best describe it as. Right. Um, but it's again, it's a, it's a totem that she decided I want to associate with France. I, I picked this to be my France memory. Right. As opposed to Katya did not pick for spirited away to be associated with being probably about 11 or 12, I would imagine. However sure, you were. Sure. Yeah. But like you saw that for, for the first time randomly and have a strong memory of it. Like, it's not like you said, I want this, like Steph wanted this totem to represent this moment in her life. You experienced something mm-hmm. that represents something, a moment in your life. So like in Steph's case, the intentionality was buying it in the first place. Mm-hmm. In your case, the intentionality is in recalling it. You know, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, mm-hmm. like stuff stuff doesn't very infrequent. I mean, and maybe you're maybe I'm wrong. I've never seen stuff walk over to her dresser and pick up the little bear in order to remember France. She goes over her dresser and then sometimes, oh, it's my little bear. You know, like the like, but the intentionality came when you when you created the memory stuff, whereas the intentionality for Katya is coming on the recall. And I think there, mm-hmm. that matters somehow. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think there's something and like music. So. So Wayne, in your case, the to, to the beginning of this conversation, the fairy CD. I don't think you were looking to create a memory then. It's just that no. oh, I, I want to buy yeah. this CD because I'm out here with mm-hmm. the, at a store. And right. A, a I market. guess that's my question. Is like I don't know if the analogy between like capturing personal memories and what we seek out when we're looking for media exactly mm-hmm. tracks because I don't think we watch. Yeah. Like I don't think there's an instance. I could be wrong, but like generally, like I can't think of in my own life, and I struggle to think of an example of like I go to a specific media thing with the intention of I am now go. This is now like right with the intention well, of I, making it a memory I, trigger for a thing. If yeah, that makes well, yeah, sense, the, right? And and the the for me that going back to that music thing, the line in between is I go to a concert to hear the music. I buy the T-shirt to remember the concert. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Or, so, but, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't. I don't buy. I didn't buy CDs or records mm. or comics in my life to specifically have this memory. But they become. They become the triggers. They they become the association. They become mm-hmm. the association. And I don't know that that has changed because of digital, like because of mm-hmm. like access to media and all that stuff. I think it's just it's it, again it goes back to we might have to be more intentional to find those things because mm-hmm. they don't a lot of people do though. Cable. 
yeah. think a lot of people do buy CDs at oh, yeah. concerts yeah. to do that. So, yeah. well, what do you, you do about go to the concert? Oh, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, is, is going to the concert and buying the CD to remember the concert are, two, are, are different things. Yeah. Right. You went to the concert to enjoy it, not to create. But it's analogous to my situation. Yeah. Went to the concert, enjoyed yeah. it, yeah. and bought that to remember. But you didn't yeah. go to yeah. France. You right. went to right. France to enjoy it and have the experience. You didn't go to France to make the memory, if that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, well, in her case, she's talking about a trip she did for work. But right, I I, but but I think that we do, though. I mean, not not we like four of us. We as humans like humans go on vacation like you go on a family vacation because to make, to make memories to, to make those memories so like uh, uh, the i guess i don't think yeah. i guess i don't see it that way like okay. i get memories as a thing like i i go for the experience because i want to enjoy myself i get mm-hmm. memories which are not, like a a great part of that that just happened yeah. because i'm a human being experiencing well, I, can give a, I can give a very but specific example yeah, well yeah and i i agree with that but i i hear people say that you know we we wanted to go to disney world to create some great family memories and right you well, know. and mine was so my we live here in Pittsburgh. Um, my mother lives in San Diego. I have one brother who lives in uh, in Mississippi. Um, my other brother used to live in San Diego. Now he lives in um, in uh, Georgia. I think they moved, they to, moved to South Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina. I don't even remember because they just recently moved. But um, about four years ago, um, my mom specifically she just wanted like she specifically organized all of us going to vacate on vacation in San Diego and trips that we could go on because she wants her grandchildren to have, you know, who, when I grew up, you know, I grew up in the same hometown as my mom's, as my uncles and aunts and all my cousins. And so I saw my family frequently, like my extended family frequently. Um, My mom's grandchildren don't have that because they're so dispersed across the country. So she had us all show up because she specifically wanted them to have a memory of a family vacation. Like she was like, Mm -hmm. this is, this is a, like it was an artificially created. I want to make sure everybody has fun so that for the rest of their lives after, you know, she's older, obviously she's a grandmother. She's not going to outlive her grandchildren. So, but she wants to, when she's dead and gone, she wants 50 year old grandchildren to think back to that time that grandma Lynn, you know, had this vacation and took us to the zoo and Legoland and all the, mm-hmm. and all the places we went. So, so I think there are, I, I think there is a, I think there is an intentionality to vacation sometimes. And I mean, that's, that's what Disney is for most people. Like I, like a lot of people go to Disney world, you know, it's a place for memories, right. Or, or even non-families. Like how many times do you see people let's go on vacation to the grand Canyon. And that's where I'm going to propose marriage because I want this to be a memorable, like as though anybody ever forgets their proposal. Right. But like you want that. that uh, and so, some it's of that just, is I guess just for me personally, not that like a big wrong with it. It's just, that's an yeah. odd way to me to approach. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. This feels like an odd way to approach, like how you, like the things you decide to do. Well, I, I, I think another factor in memory, I believe is the novel, you know, Things I remember most mm-hmm. from my childhood are not the day to day we had dinner, whatever. It's my memories, you know, farther back. I, go, I think this is probably true in life are things that stand out as different than the routine. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and a proposal by itself is different than the routine. But if you couple that with being someplace you've never been before, that's spectacular. Mm-hmm. It, it strengthens those connections. It makes it a special occasion worth remembering as yeah. opposed to, and you know, you're talking about the Instagram people, you know, just taking pictures mm-hmm. of their meal every night. Look, I had ham. Um, 
Is that, that worth is remembering? That, right. Is that part of the emotional, the strong mental and emotional connection? You, you were talking about trauma. Well, okay. Yeah. So Steph knows this. Um, my early, my earliest memory is breaking my jaw when I was two years old. It's, <laughs> yeah, that, it's that, like that literally the first thing in my head is is Jeez. falling and smashing my face and mangling my jaw. Fun. Um, like right after I was, and I mean, it's not like I wasn't cognizant of life before before then, but like I don't remember random conversations that I had the week before that like it's a week after my second birthday i don't remember my second birthday mm-hmm. not really i do remember breaking my face <laughs> you know like like right. i mean i broke my jaw and it, it is a very visceral real memory in my head that i mm-hmm. am keenly aware of 44 years later so so is it is is that just because that was i mean it hurt right like i remember the pain mm-hmm. right. so so like is that so is that just a it's a stronger memory association because, you know, whatever happened the day before that was, you know, me eating a hamburger or whatever. Right, right, right. Yes, <laughs> yes. You have you know, like, stronger like associations <laughs> between those memories and like your emotional centers of your brain, mm-hmm. your amygdala to, um, yeah, to strengthen that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think same thing for your propo- for proposals in crazy places. Then you probably associate. I don't know if that's actually a good thing. Actually, thinking about it, yeah. like, do you really want someone <laughs> that you associate with like this like really exciting event, and then you're disappointed later when that you know <laughs> that doesn't happen all uh, the time? Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, and, and certainly you, that that whole thing. If you know, couple you you going back to the the proposal thing, couples who go on vacation or, or do these wonderful things together. And then the relationship falls completely apart. Mm-hmm. You know, does that change the context of the memories? Like, hey, I, I, I had this really great time in Vegas with this person who eventually and abused you changed. me. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> can, can you, you, can you even remember those things as pleasant memories anymore, even though they were? Well, I think you can. Does it change the context? Yeah, you changed as the. I think you can. They... It's just acknowledging that that, like, it is. I think it becomes a different memory, like it's yeah. a different experience right. of reliving it because you have con- different context. I don't think right. it, unless you, yeah, yeah, unless you find out that they're like some like murderer or something, then yeah. what? Like, yeah. Are we weird though? I mean, I mean, I agree with all of I you mean, guys. You are definitely I, weird, Matt. But yeah. no, well, then you are too because what? Because I because I agree with you there that we can separate it out. But I hear a mm. lot of people say stuff all the time, like. I can't listen to that song anymore because it was it was playing the first time I kissed my ex-boyfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? You're going to let him ruin that for you? Fuck him. You know, like, like I, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I can't. That doesn't happen for me. I do wonder yeah. how much that's a choice. Because like, yeah. I, I yeah. even and because because like for I think for a long time, I thought like, well, oh, well, maybe it's like amicable, break, well, amicable, amicable words, uh, breakups. It's like easier. And actually, I've had some like pretty upsetting relationships and like mm-hmm. and like breakups and stuff like that. And actually, weirdly, some of the like media and stuff from that, like it doesn't bother me. Because yeah, yeah I think it I think it does like like I'm not saying it's a choice in the sense of like if you had an actual like if you actually experienced trauma, you could just choose to be like, oh well no, I just really like this TV show still. But like I think I think I think there is a level of like you need to decide of like I don't know. I, I wonder if there's a way you can actively decide to disassociate something from somebody, if that makes sense. Like you could choose to like offer a new interpretation to your memory based off of context, like in a proactive way. I don't know if that may actually makes sense. With like the yeah, no, actual no. science of how memory works. Yeah, no, I, I, I specifically, um, I went to in. Uh, wow, well, my mind just went blank trying to tell the story. I, I was seeing somebody is one of my <laughs> my yes, uh, one of the the more significant relationships in my life. Um, and a friend and I went to we, we drove to Pittsburgh to see Lou Reed at the Syrian Mosque, and I came home that night, and she broke up with me. 
<laughs> that that oh. night. I don't think I don't think it was because of Lou Reed. No, she's planning on it. Uh, <laughs> it is kind of uh, it's kind of a that's kind of mean. Yeah, and I can yeah. remember that very specifically. I can still listen to that Lou Reed album. I can still remember the concert. You know, like that breaking up with her did not change the context of probably because of I assume you were a fan of Lou Reed before I, then, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. yeah. So it I wasn't mean, like it, it, yeah. It, it, it was a relatively new thing at that point in my life, but yes. And also, uh, you know, I guess maybe to, to finish that story, this is someone who I've known literally my entire life and we are still friends. We got through that entire mm. relationship thing relatively unscathed emotionally. But mm. you know, at, the, at the time, at, at the time, it was it was traumatic. You know, it was a losing a relationship and all that but, stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Caught, yeah. I think that you can like recontextualize like your memories of things and just just like like we talked about before, when you think about something, you whatever you're thinking about at that time, you can associate with a prior memory and form like mm-hmm. and reconstruct the memory. So, yeah, you, if you think about, oh, this was my first kiss and I really enjoyed that kiss and this is what I liked about it, you know, then you associate that with the song. Then you're sort of forming like a new memory and you can kind of disassociate like the fact that, you know, you broke up with mm-hmm. this guy later on. I wonder if anybody I mean, you said, you know, you talked about reliving all of your, you know, every time you think back, you're just sort of recreating it. How good could your first kiss have really been? Oh, <laughs> yeah. perfect. It was great. Honestly, well, perfect. I, I actually no, don't kidding. remember mine almost at all. Yeah. I, think, I, I yeah. think my brain is trying to protect me from something. Yeah. About like, how, <laughs> yeah. how not yeah, good it was. Yeah, well, I'm kind of there say, too. Well, people say, you know, I remember my first kiss. Like, like uh, I, it's just things people say, you know, you never forget your first love or the first kiss or the first time you had sex. No, or the first, and I'm like, true. really? Do you? I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I, I vaguely I, know who those people are, but do I remember just all like that? Just like people much who them? have had like perfect ago. childhoods yeah. and they don't remember bad things that have happened. Well, yeah, but I mean, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah, it's again yeah. like well, changing your memories. Well, yeah, what I'm wondering is if you know if 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 you decided that like the loss of your virginity or your first kiss or whatever is an important moment, so every time you remember it, you remember it fondly. It just becomes a nicer and nicer memory. Mm-hmm over 20 yep. years mm-hmm. even though really it was probably two 14 year olds who and, barely yeah. knew how lips were and Mav, yeah right. i mean like in general <laughs> that's like true in general how people look fondly back oh on the in the good old days like right. kids were so great and respected their elders and all this yeah, stuff yeah, that's true not. <laughs> well yeah and i i mean we've been going long but I, but I, I think that's a really good point i mean that's probably very important like we we've talked about that before of you know like um the make America great again of the of it all is trying to return to not only the ideal of an America that was better for you know the rich white man that says it, but um which you know might have been great for you because you know you the world was pretty off awesome for you when it sucked for a lot of other people, sure, but I also think we we often talk about it's um the entire Trump plan was to return to the greatness of a world that never really existed. Biden does the same thing now. I mean, to, yeah. you know, I, I always promised on this show that, you know, if we could get Trump out of office, I would complain about Biden too. Biden is always talking about, I want to return to a world of civility and politics. What the fuck world are you talking about? Biden started, got, got into politics in the 1970s. Watergate was yep. going on. Right. What the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. That world that yeah. he believes in never existed. Mm-hmm. Now, not, which is not to say that there were never, uh, there was never time where bipartisanship happened. Of 
course it did. But he remembers it through rose colored glasses Mm -hmm. because he constantly says it over and over again Mm -hmm. for 40 years Mm -hmm. to where like it's just the way he remembers it. And he doesn't focus on the fact that Watergate happened. (laughs) (laughs) He he misses that because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Watergate and Vietnam War was. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, there's like the Chicago seven. There's all these horrible things. The Ron hostage crisis. Right. And he writes out like there was never. And and I'm not even I'm not even trying to say like literally in this conversation, I'm not trying to as much as I hate Trump. I'm not even trying to say that something is wrong with either Biden or Trump individually in that way. Just that that's how people think. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, things were so great when I was a kid. No, you were a kid. You didn't notice all the bad stuff. And then, like, you've not dwelled on it for 60 years. Especially Mm -hmm. because, I mean, in Biden's case, there's also like it's not necessarily just like positive and negative associations. It's like, is that memory useful for Biden? Like for the kind of career he wants to have and all that stuff contemplating Watergate probably isn't all that useful for him. Mm-hmm. Which right. isn't to say he's like forgotten he, he, that Watergate well, ever that, happens, but it's he, not he, like when he thinks of his, like when he thinks of that moment in time, like that's and, probably not the first thing that pops into mm-hmm. his head. And, and, and he's trying to build a counter narrative to the one we've been living. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but, and, 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 and change yeah. the conversation. Uh, right, so, but, but so, yeah, but I mean, I, but I do think that there's some, cause it's not just him. I mean, they're the well, two famous people, right? I'm, I'm right, mentioning Biden yeah, and Trump yeah. because they're the presidents, right? right. But, I, but I mean, I hear people literally say that all the time. Like, oh, yeah. you know, back in my day, stuff, your mom, comics, your mom said, were better in my day. Yeah. Back in my day, there were no political, you know, in, unless you read comics before 1938, then yes, there were, and not even then, but, yeah. but like super superhero comics were always political. Literally Captain America's first appearance. He punches Hitler in the face. We weren't even in the war yet, yet they almost caused an international incident. Um, I can, my dissertation has parts of actual Nazis in Hitler's camp being very, very upset yeah. with Kirby and, <laughs> yeah. and for, for um, uh, Kirby and Simon for that event. Right. Like it is, a, it, it was a, it was a big deal. Um, they wrote letters about Siegel and Schuster and like, how, how can we kill these two kids in Cleveland? Like, right. The Nazis were really concerned with how Superman was because it, it really was that way. Right. So, but we remember a simpler time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book called the way we never were. It's a great book about, mm-hmm. um, I don't know who wrote it. Uh, mail link in the show notes about, about things like um, why people remember stuff like, um, you know, kids didn't have pre-mineral sex back in my day. There were not a lot of gay people running around. They're really, yeah. you know, none of those things are true. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I mean, unless you are, I mean, I, I don't know all of history, so I'm, I'm going to say, and Hannah is not here to go to the previous century. So, but I can verify that unless you were over 130 years old right now, <laughs> and probably if Hannah were here, she'd say, nope, you have to be over like 400 years. Oh, I can oh. verify that there was that, that there was premarital sex and gay people oh, like, as far you back know, as you, if, if, you're using, if, you're, if you're using that age math, let me ask my dad. Yeah. I mean, this is actually one of the things about studying like like Puritan, like Puritan history and early American like religious society. Lots of teen pregnancies. Yeah. Yeah. They don't talk about that's that. why they Lots got married of- so early. <laughs> it's not even that's why they got married so early, but like children out of wedlock that they, they did not result in marriages was actually not mm-hmm. that not on uncommon. There's no. some evidence to suggest actually there may have been more teen pregnancies in the 1600s and not 
like teen pregnancy in the sense of like got married really young, but out of marriage, mm-hmm. teen pregnancies, like there may have been more in in like the 1600s than there are now, right. uh, which like flips, like I think a lot of people's assumptions about mm. the, like the 1600s mm-hmm. because we have this idea of like Puritans are very like, you know, I mean, first of all, yeah. everyone in early, you know, uh, early colonies was a Puritan. Right. Um, even though I think we are kind of taught that in many ways in at least uh, mm-hmm. American schools. But yeah, we have this idea that like, oh, they're very prim and proper and no dancing and they're very pious <laughs> things. And it's like, well, sure. Yeah, some of them, but like... In theory. In theory, mm-hmm. but also a lot of other stuff going on. Also, humans gonna human. Right. We haven't changed all of that freakishly much. Like, we yeah. haven't like somehow morphed into another species. Right, right. But we remember this because, you know, because we, I mean... Our cultural memory works the same way as human mm. memory, right? Like we we have chosen to remember the good stuff throughout history by just repeating it over and over again till we can convince it's till we convince ourselves it's true. Mm-hmm. And I guess from what I understand from talking to Stephanie, that's how memory works on a personal level, right? Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. like it is memory is an act of self. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In many cases, sure. Why not? Why not be the happiest you can be? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't remember. Have we resolved anything? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't remember either. Um, <laughs> do I even remember the beginning of this episode? It, Good yes, conversation. I've, I've learned a lot. I mean, yeah. I, and, and I and I hope the listeners have too. I I think that you know I think that the way the brain works is fascinating. There should maybe be people who study it for a living or something. I don't know. Map <laughs> <laughs> mm, did forget some yeah. stuff. Awkward. <laughs> um, no, yeah, well, no. Yeah. Stephanie, thank you for joining. Okay, us. thank That's you. Yeah, thank you for remembering this and is, acknowledging. This is actually useful. I mean, I, I and I do <laughs> hope that people learn some stuff from it. Yeah. Thank you, Doctor Sack. Yes. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Master Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, I guess and this this goes poorly every single time because because I have to live here and there's no you know and we can't escape each other because pandemic. So Stephanie, where you know is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh. Yeah, people. Oh, really? Okay. I do. I do want to plug. Yeah. I think people should go to to, um, my project website if you have kids who are in the middle school age range who are interested in science and who want to sort of maybe do some kind of science fair type projects. We have tools available for that. And those um, that website is available at isptutor.org. I don't think you need a www or anything like that. But anyway, that has like stuff for kids, actually, like kids, not just middle school, but young kids who might want to. We try. We did this with our my niece and nephew. We um, gave them this little comic book thing illustrating the difference between um, scientists and engineers, and they seemed to like it. And they went off and did ran their own experiments. So it seemed to be like motivating to them. That'll be linked in the show notes, so you can. So you're saying it's a place that you can learn, and then hopefully remember. The- yes. Remember yes. what you've learned. I I think so. Yes. In <laughs> fact, yeah. Some of yeah for the like the instruction on experimental design. If we're speaking about memory, then we have found like lots and lots of evidence that people remembered what they learned, even like even years 
years later. Like if you really learn something and you understand and it's like a, you have like a nice coherent conceptual understanding of things, then you're more likely to learn to remember them years to come. Here's where I'm going to put like in the YouTube version of the show, I'm going to put the, the more, you know, rainbow just going, going, going by. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Katya, what about you? Uh, you can find me on the internet at just that nerd on also probably other places. I have no idea what accounts I haven't. <laughs> I've lost track of them, but they're you usually all under just that nerd kid because I made them in college and just never made them sound more reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how, how likely you are to post on ones that you don't remember that you have. <laughs> I mean, you know, I might black out occasionally and and have like fever dreams where I just go on social media and post on these accounts. I don't know. Well, I learned from this show that like if you know if you're if you're drunk when you do something if you want to recall it you'd be drunk again right so, or or high or whatever so yeah <laughs> so if, if you're suddenly posting to live journal <laughs> we'll know <laughs> or myspace sure i never had a live journal i did have a myspace although i think that's been scrubbed from the internet thankfully i think my myspace is still out there uh it's mm-hmm. it's to an email account i haven't had in like 15 years so i can't access it to do anything with it <laughs> and I don't remember I, the pass. I don't remember the password at all. So. I, I I don't I don't. I mean, MySpace still exists. Yeah, it does. It does exist. Yeah, I'm on it right now. Exists, and some people but it's, it. Yeah, but I I don't know that like our that the accounts that you had like like I don't think the database that existed back when it was MySpace what we used to use is still there. So that would, that's good. Well, let's see if I can try to figure out how to get into my account. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Wait, you, you can, can go plug. No, you can find me at Vox Podcast, home of the five star review. Oh, home of the, oh wow! See that that's what we really need. That would be the you know. If you want us to remember you, you know, you write, us a five, you write us a five star review. But that's the perfect, you know, we don't have to worry about all the eugenics bad, even though they are right. You don't have to even need a clever review. Just write five stars, Vox Popcats, home of the five star review. Yeah. Someone write that. We'll, we'll mention your name on the show. I want to be able to announce we've finally got a review that says home of the five star review. So if you write that review, we will <laughs> announce you on the show because I will because I really want to be able to do that and remember you forever. <laughs> remember you forever. Yes. More positively as time goes by. Apple goes to get his own tiny bear and make a small shrine to you. <laughs> uh, let's see. You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. All of the places always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show all those same places at Vox Popcast. And you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we talk about whatever we're going to be talking about next time, which again, I don't actually remember what next time is because we're Stop. recording the shows out of order. Because it, it might um, not be next time. It, it could be last yeah. time. I mean, I like, I know right now you could tell us about, uh, about, you know, what your thoughts are on the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, but I'm pretty sure that episode aired last week, I think. I don't remember. It hasn't happened yet. Um, so anyway, but you can follow the show's blog at www.boxpopcast.com. And as Wayne said, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from, but especially at iTunes, Apple Music. That helps other people find the show. Subscribe to us also on our YouTube feed. We are getting close to our first goal of 100 subscribers, which doesn't sound like a lot but it's actually a very big milestone and once we hit 100 then you know then the next milestone's like a thousand so like i really really want to hit 100 subscribers so please subscribe to us on youtube uh like and subscribe hit the bell whatever the youtube things are um i will be eternally grateful and see images with the show you can also follow my other podcast there 
which is Gosh Golly Wow, where it's all about the comic book Excalibur. And there's images there as well. They're both available. Two shows for the price of one, which is free anyway, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) The Internet's weird. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, Building Ever So More Epically and Playing Us Out. I'd like to thank Stephanie for joining us one more time. Thanks, I'd like Steph. to thank you at home. I'd like to thank you at home for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.